Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Ramble. This is episode number 12 and it is the last episode under the 2019-20 league season. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long time coming, the fact that we're finally here at the end of July, but we're excited to see how the league table ends up after a very, very important final day for a number of different clubs. As always, I'm Jack Donnelly and joining me today are three of the best, three, three of the best uh, correspondence that energy has to offer of course we've got Struan Garvey, Jamie McIntosh and Taylor Murray we, we've all but Taylor have something riding on tomorrow's fixtures um Struan how important is tomorrow for you just be as a fan oh it's the biggest game of the season isn't it it's <laughs> it's just not I, I'm, I'm a very nervous warrior as you know but I'm just I'm not looking forward to this by the way it, fe- it feels like weeks away even though it's just tomorrow just the time it's taken mm. um, I'm not confident at the best of times put it that way put it that way uh, well we've, we've seen it we've seen it go for you and we've seen it go against you in the past so, something that's probably gone against more than most is Jamie because you, Jamie you've been in the Watford bandwagon for since I want to say like October or something like that you said they'd be out of the prediction that the, the predicament rather that they're currently finding themselves in I mean we're going to talk about them a bit later on, but have you yeah. got kind of one one word to sum up how Watford have been kind of in the last couple of weeks? Um, well, probably words that I'm not allowed to use. I would imagine <laughs> um, they've been. We'll go with rubbish, shall we? Rubbish. rubbish. That, that, yeah, there's probably little more you could say. <laughs> and Taylor, you you've kind of got nothing to worry about at this point, mate. Do you? You can kind of go into these fixtures just almost enjoy them in a sense. Ah, oh, Antonio against United. That's all it says. That goal. Saved West Ham, and I'm happy. So you know, if we let oh, Villa win, oh, oh, see, be fair by the way, yeah, I think that was a penalty. I don't care what MDC is. Well, I mean, Pogba was a penalty. Yeah. yeah mm. <laughs> no, no, see, I don't know why you'd put your arms up. No, but a lot of people are saying a lot of people are saying he was protecting his face and that, and it's basically yeah, that used to be a rule. You know, it used to be all, but he was doing to protect his face and that as well. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a valid point because uh, mm. that that was a rule, but it's not something you've heard used a lot recently. Like, oh, he was doing it to protect his face. I've not heard that for ages. I think it's purely because he changed the handball rule. Like, mm. yeah, mm. either this season or last season, I can't remember when exactly, but any contact with the ball to hand in the penalty area is just going to be a penalty at that point. So. Perhaps unfortunate, but it was quite quite funny. Antonio certainly found it funny, and I don't oh, yeah. think Pogba was too happy with him after that. And Antonio for Ballon d'Or, I'm telling you. What, what are we starting? <laughs> cancelled, I'm afraid. It's, it's been cancelled, mate. He's not going to get a chance. Oh yeah, for, oh, I forgot. Well, no, what you can't say. You would have won it, for Antonio. <laughs> justice for Antonio. Not Lewandowski, no. Nah. <laughs> justice for Antonio. Uh, before we get started, we'll do the usual promotions. Are uh, you probably? listen to this on one of two platforms but if you're just kind of wondering where you can listen to it um we've got spot you will be on spotify and we're on apple podcast as well now uh we did a wee announcement before last ep- last week or something like that i can't remember exactly when but we're on the two kind of heavy hitters for podcasts as well as a number of other different um avenues as well so follow or subscribe to us at the top of the feed wherever you're listening to this to make sure you don't miss another episode of the fancy ramble as I think we'll probably squeeze a couple more out of this season and kind of going into next when it comes in September. Uh, follow us over on Twitter at Fantasy Ramble for predictions collated by us four and our two other hosts, Raf and Graham, who have missed out today. And be sure to keep your eye on Energy Sport for any other content coming from 
the likes of us and all of our other football and sport writers in the coming weeks. Uh, before we get into the games, um, the Football Writers Association named their Premier League Player of the Year as Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson, of course, captain decide to a historic uh, first Premier League title. But it's garnered a lot of kind of controversy over whether Henderson himself was deserving of the award as a player. What I just wanted to pick your guys' brains about this. We had a brief conversation about it after the announcement was made yesterday. Um, Jamie, how would you kind of see this voting? Would you have agreed with Henderson or would you have gone with someone else? I can see why they've gone for Henderson. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, what, what, what was the award called again? They're just their player of the year. I yeah? think so, yeah. Uh-huh. Or player of the season, sorry. Um, for me, the best player in the league this season has been De Bruyne. I'd agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, I can see why they've given it to Henderson because he's been that possibly that sort of guy, um, possibly off the pitch as well as as on the pitch. You know, he's maybe been a bit more of a leader in the dressing room, galvanised his team to, mm-hmm. as you said, a first Premier League title. And so I can see why they've gone for Henderson. But in terms of, I don't know what the criteria is. So you know, look, if it's the best player in the league for this season, Jordan Henderson is not the best player in the league this season. I would go so far. He's not even the best, been the best player in his team this season. Yeah. When you look yeah. at like so, Sadio Mane, Virgil Van Dijk, Alexander Arnold, players like that. Yeah. I think I've I've just checked there. It's the FWA Footballer of the Year. Footballer of the Year, right? So, that could encompass much more than just their playing ability. When you mm-hmm. kind of read it like that, but Struan, how do you look at awards like these? I mean, for something like this, should it be based on uh, just playing ability, technical ability? Like you put up the numbers, like Kevin De Bruyne has done. Or should kind of leadership and kind of the untangible things be incorporated into the process of selecting the winner? I, I personally should believe it should be more on an individual basis, this award. I just feel, as Jamie said, Kevin De Bruyne has been the best player in the league. And as you pointed out as well, there have been better players at Liverpool. I, I can understand Henderson winning it. I wouldn't really put up a debate. But I think this award has taken into account more because, I mean, Marcus Rashford came third and there's no way he should be above the likes of Van Dijk and Mane. But from what he did off the pitch, mm-hmm. I think they've yeah. taken that into consideration. And Henderson also did quite a lot off the pitch. So I think they've probably combined that. Because I think Sterling won this award last year. But then Van Dijk won the, the PFA, PFA in the Premier mm-hmm. League. And I think in 2010 and 11, I think it was Scott Parker for West Ham. It was Ham, Scott Parker, who, yeah. Who got relegated. So I think it just gets a bit confusing how there's different awards for the Player of the Year and different... Um, organisations have different winners so I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know De Bruyne picks up another one of them and then it's just mm. satisfies everybody but yeah. yeah no I think I think you're right but Taylor this isn't anything we're not having a go at John Henderson at all I mean Liverpool captain he's had a fantastic season really oh 100% uh, Henderson is a guy comes across as a great guy he's He's not by far a bad footballer. He's literally he does the what dirty work in our pro side that no one basically gives credit for, and he definitely is like an inspiration in the dressing room. However, is that enough to win this award? I don't believe so because I feel like if we're going on that sense, then basically you may as well just give it to like people that have avoided relegation, managed to get out of it. Uh, people have managed to you know have a good run since the restart. We may as well be starting to give it to them. Give it to but, Antonio. I was about to say, yeah. you just wanted to give it Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I totally wasn't trying to drop that in there. But no, but in all seriousness, I feel like, I said yesterday, my choice would have been Danny Ings because I think he's just had an incredible year and he's just proved like exactly 
what he can do. Uh, but I can understand the fact is De Bruyne should have got it if you're going off of like stats and based on being the best of, as the award is player of the year. So I I see they've probably done it in a sentimental value, but I feel like it is an injustice on like the players that have had a good year. But I don't think uh, they'll be bothered, like especially if De Bruyne does pick up player of the year. And I see be honest, Henderson probably isn't bothered about folks saying he shouldn't deserve it because he is sitting with like, a Champions League medal and a Premier League medal. Mm-hmm. Aye, of course. I mean, it's, pro- it's probably going to be a fair talking point, especially once the other types of awards come out, like the PFA Player of the Year and things like that. So I'll probably get brought back into the discussion then of whether or not it's based on a playing value or kind of a more general, kind of almost a kinda human human being value rather than a footballer, just kind of your own morals and your own kind of things like that. So uh, if if you if you agree with the Henderson thing or you think it's someone else, let us know. You can tweet us in at Fancy Ramble if you want to get involved in the conversation. But until then, we're going to get cracking on with the first of the three big games. The three biggest games, rather, because there's a few, more than one, more than three, rather. Um, realistically, the biggest game of this set of fixtures, all kicking off tomorrow at four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Manchester United versus Leicester, fourth versus fifth. And essentially a game that can see one or both, depending on other results, secure Champions League football. Uh, in the last games, United stumbled to a one-all draw with West Ham, while Leicester, despite looking good in parts, were just nothing. They were just not up to standard against Spurs as they went out to lose 3-0. Uh, I mentioned the stumble against uh, West Ham there, Taylor. I mean, I, I didn't watch the game personally. Like I caught the second half, and from what I could see, West Ham looked the better team. I don't I don't know if that's just kind of my own viewing of it. I didn't see the first half, so I can't say for United for them. But was it a case of that? Did was it just uh, West Ham were just better than United on the day? Uh, <clears throat> I think it was more of West Ham dug in more, but also I think United also relying on Fernandez Pogba. Basically, they were they've been running in the ground. They've played essentially. Well, Fernandez has played like every game since he's joined. And it's like, probably he hadn't been taken over, so United probably ran out of ideas. But no discredit to West Ham. They dug in. They've actually, in the last couple of weeks, they have looked really good. And the fact is, it's not been like sit back, punt and hope. Like David Moyes has actually got them playing some not bad football. I'm not going to say attractive. I'm going to say not, not bad. bad. <laughs> not bad. Like, put it this way, it's one you look at and go, eh, oh well. It's, <laughs> It's like, you could go for better, but it could be worse. could be Mourinho-style football. Mm. But, yeah, I'd definitely say the West Ham, look, they did look good, and it was deserving a point, mm. I would say. Yeah. A point was probably as a fair result in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of taking away from that game and looking at their opposition, uh, Jamie, Brendan Rodgers finds himself in a bit of a precarious position of having a real sense of deja vu, of essentially bottling it. Um we saw it happen when he was managing Liverpool. He was so set on to win the title that there was going to be their first title in 2014. Then the Gerrard slip, then uh, Crystal Palace coming back to draw 3-3. It all fell apart for them at the final hurdle. It seems to have been the same scenario with Leicester since coming back from restart. They've not been able to find, really find their feet. They've not been able to continue and keep steady form going. Um, is it what? What do you reckon? I mean, obviously Rogers came up here and was very successful with Celtic, but I suppose anyone can do that, really, considering that Celtic have been a dominant force for this entire decade. So, I mean, 
what 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 is there that Rogers needs to do really because this game is going to be huge potentially not only for this season but for his job. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, look if 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 United and Chelsea do manage to um, to manage to get a result and and Leicester do miss out on European football, then um, you know the, you you need to look at the position that they were in, you know, a few months ago, and and question how they managed to find themselves in this current position mm-hmm. where they they're going to miss out on uh, on Champions League football, and you know ultimately the the blame lies at Rodgers. Rogers, Rogers' feet. Mm. Um, he is the man to blame for that. And look, you know, I, I think the, the the lockdown is is a valid excuse because obviously some teams have come back and looked better than others. And you know, look, it must be really difficult for for the players to to come back and try and get right back into into a rhythm and into into a shape of a style of play. And uh, you know, as I say, some teams have done it better than others. And obviously we watched the Bundesliga when that started back prior to the Premier League. And, and we, again, we saw that some teams were better than others. Um, but I don't know, I don't know why that is, you know, how are, how are some teams better than, better yeah. than others? You know, is that down to their manager? Is their manager being able to provide more, um, uh, intense training to get them back up to, is it match sharpness? I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately, as you say, it doesn't take a genius to work out that this game is massive for, for both managers' jobs, possibly. Um, but yeah, Rodgers in particular. Just a quick note on uh, on United um, and the game against West Ham. I thought in the first half in particular, um, it was like watching United under... Um, well, before Fernandes came in <laughs> at the start of the season. They were really flat, I thought. Um, a lot of sideways passing, not a lot of... Um, territorial gains or anything they weren't getting in behind West Ham West Ham were forcing them to play wide towards like Brandon Williams and saying oh you know can you beat can you beat me you know can you beat a man and and you know he, he didn't they weren't able to get in behind and you know Taylor touched on Fernandez having played so much football and um, you know I think ultimately when he had his off day which was uh, against West Ham there and in the FA Cup final arguably um, United's the, the other players weren't able to step up and it just shows how much they do rely on him so huge game for both teams yeah absolutely um, it, it, it was really weird to see because that's kind of two dud games almost that Fernandez had had he's not been able to make yeah. any impact whatsoever and considering how much creativity he brought, he's brought to Man United since he joined in January they might be going into this one a bit frightened of the fact that if he doesn't turn up and doesn't have a good game again, they could be in a lot of trouble. But yeah. Struan, it all comes down to this game. I know you'll be you'll be nervously watching on. Uh realistically, I'll we'll just kinda of get into predictions for this one because how do you see this one turning out? Do you think United have it in them to secure Champions League football? I I, th- I think they would have it in them, but I just think the way this game's kind of going up with fitness levels, United just look absolutely burned out. They just they just look so just physically tired. I th- I think Leicester are going into this. I think as well, Man United have the pressure on them. I don't right. think Leicester are playing mm-hmm. with as much pressure, and they've had I think three days extra rest. Even so though think, Leicester really need to kind of get a result, like you know, United a, a draw would be would be, draw enough would be enough for United. I, th- I think United are expecting that though. I think people expect United to win this game. So in that sense, I don't think as many people are expecting Leicester to get a win. So from their point of view, the pressure isn't necessarily as much on them. And I have, I have a horrible, horrible, horrible feeling that Solskjaer might set up with a back five and play out for a draw. 
which I was just going to ask that if you thought they would maybe play a little uh, a little cautious cautiously. I, th I don't know if the same team could play. I think one of the big problems, especially against the West Ham game, was the fullbacks. I mean, the amount of times Pogba had the ball and Fosimenta was clear on the right, and he just didn't choose to play him just because I don't think he had the confidence that a Wan Bissaka would have on that side. And I think it's mm -hmm. the same over on the left. You know, Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford had a really good combination of overlaps and such. And with Brandon Williams, it just isn't there. And I think centre back as well. I just don't think Lindelof and Maguire are the best partnership, and we know about De Gea. So I think um, Leicester do have a lot of injuries as well. So I think mm -hmm. I think both teams are missing players. I think it's so hard to call. It really, mm. really is so hard to call. I've gone for a two in Leicester because of what I said. About <laughs> of course, the you have. You're a joke. The, the <laughs> no, but on a genuine like level, I think the rest is really important in these games. I think West Ham against Man United looked so much fitter. I think as well from a Leicester point of view, they're going to have a full week in between games. United will only have four days, I think, altogether. I think that'll play a massive part. And, and as I said, I have a horrible feeling that Eric Bailly is going to be rushed back in or McTominay is going to be played in the back line or something mm -hmm. and it's going to be a back five. And I think one of the main issues as well is against the West Ham game, you know, Solskjaer didn't make any subs in the up front until the 85th when he brought in a gal when he was asked after and he just said, you know, the players who I had on the pitch were the best chance of scoring. And it's, it, he is right because, I mean, Lingard and Pereira are not exactly going to change the game. And, and no. that would be my fear against Leicester is if United do fall behind at the moment, I, I don't know who's going to come off that bench and change the game. I think the first goal is huge. I think that's interesting that you say yeah. that. I think the first goal is massive. I know, definitely. Because United get the first goal... Leicester kind of start feeding like they they realize they realize they're going to have a much bigger game to play, whereas uh, Leicester score the first United might just crumble because they realize they don't have anyone that can come off the bench and score a goal like Struan said. I mean, Igalo's been all right since signing on loan, but realistically, no one could really displace Greenwood or Martial at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see. In terms of a prediction for this one, I think. My my heart, considering how it would work for for my club, I, I'm gonna go with United for this one, because if I go with United, that means essentially the Chelsea result doesn't matter. Chelsea can lose, and if United still win, Chelsea will get Champions League football. So I I think I'm gonna go. I think I'll go two one, two one for Man United because something that we've not touched on actually, Jamie Vardy's still looking to make sure that his Golden Boot uh award stays coming to coming to the uh, agent striker so I think he'll be keen to at least get himself another goal to put himself ahead of the chase and pack the likes of Danny Ings and Aubameyang who could have big weekends this weekend so if he gets in behind Harry Maguire I, I don't think he's catching him yeah no I think that's gonna that's gonna be an issue hopefully Maguire's playing a bit more cautiously Maguire knows who he's up against from having played with him in England and things like that so we're, we're going to be hopeful that uh, Maguire can at least handle Vardy a bit. I'm going to go 2-1. Um, and I think it's going to be a massive game. I think it could honestly fall down to Mason Greenwood. I think that this is where he's going to really shine. He's going to really back himself under the pressure and go out and deliver for United this weekend. But as always, that's just my opinion. Struan's given his 2-0 thoughts on Leicester. We'll go on to the other two boys as well. Jamie, how do you see this one going? Have a guess. Oh, have you got? Is it the the classic Jamie McIntosh prediction? Yeah, it, uh, it seems a perfect excuse. It does. I said I said two draws earlier. You does um, for this one in the yeah. Chelsea game, so one all for me. One all. And Taylor, what about yourself? 
uh, <clears throat> going with his pass, Rogers is bottling it, so it's going to be a United win. I'm going to say, I'm probably, I'm going to be probably an entertaining game, I'm going to say like 3 1 to United. 3 1 to I, I would love that. <laughs> I'm, I, Struan would love that. I, I can imagine, I can just see the group chat now when that third goal hits. <laughs> if that third goal hits the back of the Leicester net, Struan's just going to be going absolutely mental. Well, see, to be honest, by the way, I can really. I'd be really surprised if United don't get Champions League football now. Like, mm-hmm. It's actually it's in their hands, realistically. Yeah, it's, considering it's, where at, they at the were. Yeah, at the start of the year, Leicester were 14 points ahead of Man United, and now United are one point ahead of them. That's nuts. Which wow, you could either insane. put down to a massive turnaround for Man United or a complete fall away from Leicester. It's been a case a of both, I think. A lot of people tend to yeah. address it as the arrival of Bruno Fernandes. Others may look at it as the departure of Ashley Young. <laughs> Some may the some club captain, that. which is pretty pretty incredible. Well, Struan, I'll, t- I'll take it you'll see it more like, more like that, considering your history with Ashley Young, just having spoken to you for that long about him. Uh, of course, this probably is that probably is going to be the biggest game of the weekend, as it could have ramifications for more than just two clubs, in the sense that the second game we're going to talk about, Chelsea versus Wolves. This game essentially might not matter depending on the United result because if United get the win, Leicester cannot mathematically overtake Chelsea regardless of what the result in this game is. But that won't matter really considering they'll be playing at the same time and Chelsea will be wanting to kind of come back to form after one of the wildest games I've seen in a while in a 5-3 loss to Liverpool uh, on Wednesday night while Wolves still looked solid as ever in a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. The main talking point of this game comes in the form of a certain Spanish goalkeeper for the London club. Jamie, you'll have suffered through him enough as much as I have. In your opinion, is there anyone worse in goals in the Premier League at the moment than Kepa Aritza Balaga? Um, I don't know. It's hard Maybe. to think. Maybe. It really is yes. hard to think. Tell us in yes, who's worse then? De Gea? Yeah, that's how I knew that was coming. <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's hard. On form, I think they're both just in the ground at the moment. Some of the stats have been uh, have been outrageous. So the you know Opta Opta's expected goals on I target actually, data yeah. this season. You know Kepa's uh, conceded eleven more Premier League goals than like the average goal than the, than the model would expect yep. the average goalkeeper mm-hmm. to to concede. So it's the worst figure. Of any goalkeeper in the division, so when you look at stats, yes, he is the worst goalkeeper in the league, probably. Yeah, on form. <laughs> on on form, it's been just dreadful watching him. I'm so, and it was there was a clip for, um, it was the free kick late on. I think it had already been gone five three at that point, and I think Van Dyke put it back across the box, and it could have ended up in the back of the net. Kepart was rooted to the spot, just watching the entire time. And because there was no fans in the stadium, of course, you heard about four Chelsea defenders screaming at him to move. Yeah, yeah. And then he just kind of turned around and looked at them when the ball went out, and they're all arms out, just staring at the keeper in disbelief. So yeah. See, I've got a theory that he is a striker that's just been putting goals and just everybody's forgot about him. What a reverse Fernando Torres then? Yeah. He started out goals and then moved to striker. Yeah, he? essentially, because like he has no clue what he's doing when he's in that net. He just. It's like usual when that keeper gets sent off, you've got a defender going goals, he just dives about and hopes for the best. That is exactly what I think Kepa is. His confidence is gone completely. He's clearly got... The fans don't have faith in him. Clearly his back line don't have any faith in him. 
Yeah. And I think it's telling of the fact that Lampard is already reportedly looking at alternative options and trying to just get someone else in, even if Kepa doesn't move on. Because I think that's telling in itself that he doesn't care about Kepa being at the club or not. Well, maybe that's a bit harsh to say. I'll, probably, I'll, t- I'll take that back. He doesn't really mind if Kepa stays or goes, but he's repl- he's keen to replace him for next season regardless. I think just mm. that speaks volumes of the fact that Lampard deems it necessary to bring in another goalkeeper when he's been chasing attacking reinforcements the entire time. Um, taking away from Chelsea for a little bit, we'll look at Wolves. Um, Taylor, they technically need the win to gain Europa League certainty. I mean, they could lose and Spurs could still lose and they would still remain seventh or sixth rather. Um, but what 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 do you reckon? Do you reckon that Wolves could, there's a chance for Wolves in this game? Because I mean, I I, ser- I would certainly put a bit of faith in them. Oh, 100 percent. I would. I definitely put a lot of faith in them. I would say. I think you've learned over this season is not to write Wolves off because every time they've been wrote off, they produced like incredible result or basically just went against the grain. And when obviously when they have expected to win, you've seen obviously they crumble a little bit, but. I think they thrive on basically the bigger games and they know what to do. So I, I could definitely see them winning. Yeah. Especially, yeah. that's the probably the worst fear is like you, Jack and Jamie, probably want to hear. But <laughs> if they win, it's usually going to have to make sure that United beat Leicester. Mm-hmm. Which potentially could be a tall order depending on how that, how that game goes. Um, I, I, Wolves have been fantastic throughout this season. They've just looked so solid as a team. And for a, for a team that's playing a back five the entire year, you think it'd be a bit harder for them to get the goals going and get themselves into good positions. But you've seen them win really quite tough games, and you've seen their front line be it Jimenez, Jota, Adama after they came in, and the fullbacks and Alexa Doherty. They've all still stepped up and shown themselves to be a real contender for the against the so-called big six, which as of this season seems to have really faded into irrelevancy with the likes of Arsenal and Spurs finishing so far down the table uh, with this one Strew and Chelsea are the only ones that can really win Champions League out of this te- obviously these two teams I mean it's really all down to the London club would you say they deserve it uh, based on kind of their season so far and recent form and things would you say that they deserve it more than perhaps United or Leicester or do you think that they would still should still be all right taking a fifth place, regard like should that ever come to fruition. I'll make a really controversial opinion here in that I don't think United, Chelsea, Leicester, or even Wilson extent should deserve Champions League football just based on on a regular season. Mm. I think top four, the points would be around the seventy, you know, yeah, plus mark. Yep. I think this season. I'll, I'll look at United first. If United don't beat Leicester, it's the worst. It's a worse point tally than under David Moyes, where we finished seventh. We've had twelve draws. We've only won seventeen. Going on to Chelsea, twelve losses. That's nearly a loss every yeah. three games. Mm-hmm. Looking at Leicester, they had quite a good start—a nine-nil Southampton, but <clears> they've just crumbled away. I think just the inconsistency this season. I think every single team is incredibly fortunate to still be in the top four race. Yeah, you're right. But I just, I just think on a whole this season. There's just no momentum, you know. I'd, I'd look at back in December, Man United beat Tottenham and then Man City, and it was oh, it was huge. And then just draw and lose to Watford and Everton, and it, it it just sort of didn't make any sense. And 
we've seen that with other teams this season. You know, Chelsea beat Man City and then lose to West Ham the next game. It's yep. just been... I, I, in a sense, though, I would say it is deserving because, of, of course, you are still above everybody else in the league. But just comparing to... I, I'm not sure what the, the points tally for what fourth place was last season, but I would consider it's going to be fairly higher than it was this mm-hmm. season. And I, I just think... But as you say, you have to beat what's in front of you, and, and you know Man United, Chelsea, and Leicester have been good enough this season to be within that race. So I think, in that sense, they are deserving. But when you look back on this season in a few years' time compared to others, you'd probably think, or oh, that was quite a poor season for the top four. They were quite mm-hmm. almost Tottenham finished. There, Tottenham finished fourth last season on seventy-one points. Yeah, there you go. Chelsea were third on seventy-two. Arsenal fifth on seventy. Man United and Chelsea maximum points they can get sixty six this season too. And that was what United finished on last season. Sixty six was what United finished on last season. In six. Crazy. So so third place could potentially be on sixty six points. That's the highest it could be on sixty six points. And that was that was fifth last season. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But is this down to the top four being poor or does Liverpool being that good this season? No, it's down to top four because you can't say that Liverpool have. You're right, Liverpool have done really well, but it's obviously into top four because don't play Liverpool every week. Yeah, exactly. Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool have six like, games. Like, the six games against the top four and yeah. they can't amount for the rest of their season yeah. just because of how well they've been doing. The top four have been really poor and they've dropped points where they should, where they hit, where they never dropped points last mm. season. Like, yeah. Liverpool are so far in front because they've not dropped any points. Everybody else has dropped far too many yeah. for the top four. I think, four. like, the, the rebuilds of United and Chelsea and experienced managers to an extent as well, I think it's quite a... Quite an off-putting season. I think Tottenham, you could definitely put that down to Arsenal, certainly, are going through a, a sticky patch. Even even Man City, to their standards, have been poor. They've lost yeah. nine games this season, which is... It's not that um, it's not that big amount of losses, but, I mean, that's that's quite a lot for second place in the league. Liverpool, yeah, taking oh, absolutely, only, yeah. only three. So. Yeah, to put in perspective, uh, Wolves have lost less than what City have, and they're obviously sitting sixth. It's just... Yeah. It's been a very weird season, hasn't it? I really, I can't believe. Yeah, for me, but Burnley, Burnley are probably, possibly, anyway, if they win on the last day of the season or Arsenal fail to win, Burnley are going to finish above Arsenal. Burnley. It's pretty. Yeah, might start the season. At start the season, folk were fighting Burnley might go down with Dyke's Yeah. To be fair, everybody says that every season about Burnley. It's like a Hamilton of English football. Not wrong. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to a prediction on this game. I'm I'm taking a leaf out of Stuart Garvey's book. I'm being pessimistic about this one. Um, I just don't think un- unless Lampard starts the right team and he starts a right front three, which realistically should be Giroud through the middle with Pulisic and Hudson Odoi either side of him because the two Hudson of them. Hudson Odoi. Who? Do you think I, I would say so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, William was at fault for the first yeah, goal. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And he just offered nothing throughout that yeah. entire game when he was on. Hudson Odoi yeah. came on. He looked threatening. He looked like yeah, he had a they point changed to the game. Those subs changed the game. No, you're right. And I think they deserve to start. I, I have honestly no idea why Pulisic didn't start, especially since he didn't even come on against United in the uh, same in the cup final. final yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. It was it was really bizarre to me. He came on and looked so. He looked like the best player on the pitch that night. Like even just in the short cameo. He just looked to be shades above anyone else in at least a Chelsea team. So, if Giroud, Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi start, I'm going to be feeling a lot better. Um, Jorginho needs to be dropped. unless if, Lamp- if Lampard does play the back three again, Jorginho cannot play in that midfield pairing of him and Kovacic because he just got shoved off, the- shoved off of a challenge in 
as Liverpool broke for their fifth goal. And as the last kind of line of defence in the midfield, you cannot be doing that. Like that, sh- that cannot happen. He's a funny player, eh? Because so I mean, at the start he was getting pelters, and rightly so under Sarri. But then mm-hmm. he sort of seemed to really like improve. And he, like for a time, I was thinking hell, he was, yeah. I was thinking he was like the best, the most influential player. Anyway, in and the Chelsea team, like now. maybe, ah, exactly. He's gone back to these old ways again. But do you think this is because like the way he's being? The way he's been told to play, or, or or where he's being told to play. So obviously at the start under Sarri Ball, obviously he he wasn't showing in his best light, and then obviously when the Lampard first came in, you could see that there was a Georgian, you know, there was a player in there somewhere, mm. and he sort of came into his own in a different and um, different system and different formation and that, and now he's gone back to his his kind of old ways again. So I don't know, he's a funny old mm. player. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I don't I don't think he offers a lot for Chelsea. Nah. In in terms of the midfielders that Chelsea do have, you think of N'Golo Kante, coveted that like he's so much better. He, he's quicker, he's stronger, he's better recovering the ball. He's at some point he's better at taking the ball forward. Jorginho, yeah. I don't think he's getting ball carrying ability, especially when you look at the likes of Mason Mount and Mateo Kovacic ahead of him. He can take he, a penalty, but he, he can take a penalty, <laughs> but I mean, that many other players in the in the club can. I mean, Williams kind of taking yeah, penalties true. when Jorginho's been away. True. Uh, the suspension and just lack of favorability, I suppose. So yeah, dropped, benched. I think I think Lampard needs to really take a look at his team selection for this game and make sure he's picking the best team he possibly can on paper, because otherwise it's just going to be a comfortable Wolves win. I don't think it's going to be a comfortable Wolves win. I still think it's going to be a Wolves win. However, I'm going to put them down as a two-one win, um, and Chelsea can just hope that Manchester United beat Leicester, which is. Not really what you want from one of the biggest clubs in the country to be relying on other results to make sure you're getting Champions League football. But that that's what I'm saying. Jamie, are you in the same mind or are you have you put this down to another draw? I have put it down for another draw, another one all. Another one. Um which would do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think again it's a close game. I really think Wolves have the potential to um to really rip Chelsea apart in the counter attack. Mm-hmm. I think they'll sit in as they kind of really often kind of do yeah. um, against most of the bigger teams anyway and I really think with that I was uh, that um, Podence but that Podence, Podence yeah. he, um, he's really impressed me the last mm. two maybe one and a half games or something because I don't think he started the game before so last like one and a half games say that he's featured in I've been really impressed with him so if they play with say like him on the on the left um, Jimenez through the middle and Triori on the right mm. god I think that's a terrifying couple of wingers as well yeah. and obviously you've got a brilliant front man through the middle in Jimenez who's uh, who's going to try and hold the ball up mm-hmm. and bring others into play and I think the Wolves have got the, the almost the perfect front three for the counter-attack in yeah. this sort of game away to Chelsea who obviously leak a lot of goals they do I mean, Raul Jimenez of course he's, he's just had he's just had himself a baby him and his wife I think I probably will expect him to deliver again against Chelsea mm. oh, I see the, well, he never delivered did he but well, his wife. Uh, uh, that would be pretty impressive, actually. It'd be incredibly impressive. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he can supply for Traore. Oh, right. We're going too deep into that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Struan, how do you see this one going then? Uh, I, I've gone for a two 0 to Chelsea on the basis that Christian Pulisic does start. I've got him as my man of the match. I mm. think against Liverpool he was absolutely fantastic I think he's in such good form at the moment I, I just don't see why you would drop him unless he counts some kind of knock Yeah, I have been a bit unsure how Lampard's going to set up though because there is the FA Cup final and the Champions League in mind and, I, and I, although it's 
a very difficult task against Bayern Munich. You know, I don't I don't think he's gonna just let the team lay down or whatever. So. Yeah. I don't know what game is Giroud because I don't know if he can play all three of those. I'd imagine Abraham will get a start in at least one of them, mm. and I'd, I'd probably think he'd start against Bayern Munich. I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's yeah. probably the least important. So I think it will be the Giroud, Pulisic, and then somebody on the right wing. William seems to have his form for this season seems to now be over again. He's had his patch. He's, he has had his patch. He gets what he gets one kind of run of games a season, doesn't he? And then Literally. that's him. Looks like one of the best players in the league, and then just just stops. But I, I, I've gone for a two 0 Chelsea. I think. I think Lampard will get the motivation going. I think Chelsea looks so good against Liverpool. I just think when he came on, and it, it did look like that game could have ended 4 all 5-4 to Chelsea even, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I, I think you saw the, sure the, the, good, the good, the bad and the ugly of Chelsea. You really Liverpool, did. I Absolutely, yeah. I'd agree with you. If you watch so you're right, they did season, look good. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, t- Taylor, would you, would you say the same? Would you? Can I, I'm interested to see how you can see this one going. Uh, I can see Wolves winning this 2-1. Easy. There we go. Uh, because uh, Wills have the fourth best defensive record in the league, and uh, I can and put this way, Chelsea's defensive. And Chelsea record. don't. <laughs> Chelsea <laughs> don't have that. <laughs> Brighton, who are sitting sixteenth, yep. have a better defensive record than what Chelsea have. They've conceded less than us. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So um, I'm going to say that Wills definitely, considering how they played that season, back five, it's they're not going to concede more than one goal in a game. Especially the form Jimenez, Traore, even Jota is on. Yeah, they've got. I say they can win this easily, but you still get top four because Leicester will lose. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a there's a pretty crazy statistic I saw about Kepa, and that on, the Chelsea goalkeeper who's conceded the most goals was back in 1992. I can't remember the name of the keeper at the time, but that was a 42 game season, and yes, Kepa's only I did two see that. goals off beating that, and Kepa's only played 30 this this season, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is pretty mental. Well, I mean. Yeah, I can't really say much more about them. It's just going really to depress me and I want to have a good Saturday. So we'll move on to the last of the kind of big games as one of the teams involved are already safe. The other are looking to capitalise on a potential great escape here as West Ham take on Aston Villa. The last games, we of course talked about the one all draw with United for West Ham. Well, Villa got one of the biggest wins they could have ever hoped for in a 1-0 win over Arsenal. Taylor, I'll come to you first with this one, of course. Um, biggest, I suppose biggest talk point from last game week was West Ham, are, they're finally safe. The point against United secured it. They've really got nothing to play for coming at this one. So how do you see them almost playing in the sense that they can't, go, they can't actually move up the table anymore? So should, are they just going to kind of play for pride in this one or do you think they'll just almost do Villa a favour? I really want to you know, stick, stick Declan Ice in goals and just tell Villa for a penalty shout. You know, that's the kind of level of West I just want Villa to win this. But not because anything else. West Ham are safe, doesn't really matter. I don't I don't think they'll bother if they finish 16th or 17th, as long as they're above the drop and we'll just restart next season. But, nah, West Ham, uh, they might, I can see them playing for, they'll go out and try to win it, but because they'll have more to play for, West Ham, I can't see West Ham basically being too aggressive in this game. Probably, if Villa take the lead, this could be a born one 0 win to Villa. Definitely West Villa know what have been basically risk anything let West Ham score. West Ham have nothing to play for. Probably will field a little a few youngsters to you know, give them a run out, especially some of the ones that have been tipped to move away. I, I can definitely see this being an interesting game, but not a high scoring game. Seeing that it probably will not be about four three to Villa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can definitely see Villa winning this. On the basis that West Ham just 
probably couldn't give a toss what's happening now because it's been a bad season no matter what. So yeah. losing one other game isn't going to change it. I mean, if if you if you saying that you can see four goals coming at this Villa side, then jeez, oh, you've not been watching their football. Yeah, where have you been for <laughs> thirty-seven weeks? <laughs> um, I suppose Struan Villa's kind of last result it was massive. I think it was a bit unexpected as well, considering how well Arsenal had done in the last couple of weeks, beating City to make the cup final, beating Liverpool as well. Does a win like that for Villa almost signify their right to stay in the division, and like they they do deserve to? Have a crack at it for at least another season. I th- I think so. I think I, I think a win against Arsenal in the form they were in is a huge statement. I mean, again, just kind of sums up the Premier League Arsenal's form there. But I think they played really really well against Arsenal. I think they were so unlucky to concede late to Everton as well. The game before, I think that was a really unfortunate game. But I think based on the other teams in the relegation fight, I would say what I've seen from Aston Villa, I think they are definitely more deserved than say Watford to stay up this season I think given what they've done but then again the budget that they've spent yeah. it was 146 mm. million yeah. it's the exact same thing Fulham did last season and yep. it's almost like you know you need to stay up but they've, they've been carried quite a lot by Jack Grealish who's probably going to move on in the summer but on, on West Ham I I don't understand how they're in the relegation zone at the moment What since lockdown of what I've somehow watched them like quite often and they're such a good team at mm. the moment They've got such the midfield is really strong. Antonio is incredible form. Jared Bowen is in very good form. For now, mm. actually, kind of looks like a decent player now at the moment. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> Half decent player, but I, I, I think Moyes has done a really good job. I, I just no, nope. I'm I'm so surprised that it, it came down to the second last game of the season. Just watching mm-hmm. them play, you know. That I, I think everybody was. Against United and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the you money. Look at some of the players that they've got in that squad. Yeah. Um, Money they spend for five million. Yeah, in the exactly. Summer. Yeah, exactly. Anderson, who for now is twenty five million. <laughs> that has been your. That's like we'll, we'll probably do a wee award show at some point. That'll probably be your like flop of the season, Jamie. The amount that you've yeah. kind of gone on about for now's recent weeks. Yeah, but all look, that and their best players academy uh, graduate Declan Rice. <laughs> yeah. Well, looking at uh, both teams and say Villa do that win this one, or they get a draw, which I think could be enough. If I'm right, a draw I think could be enough to secure safety. But coming into this one, if both if Villa do stay up, both teams coming into the league next season, Jamie, what do you reckon they both need to do in order to avoid a similar situation next year? Oof, um, I know the obvious answer. For, yeah, for just win win more games. I mean, that, well, that is the obvious answer, <laughs> Taylor. I think I think it's got something to do with a certain manager. Mm-hmm. That's what you would say. I'd say, for, I'd say for one of the sides, definitely, but I don't know what James' opinion is. Aston Villa, yeah. <laughs> but Dean Smith gone. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, you, you say that and you know, we can all slag off David Moyes and everybody slagged off his appointment, but West Ham were in the precarious position that they were in before Moyes came in, were they not? And yeah, they were then obviously he's the one that that's got them out of it. So, I don't know, credit where credit's due? Are we, are we being magnanimous enough to say well done to David Moyes, or are we? I think no, I think we have we, to. Especially, I think what I think I said on extra time with Sean and Cameron. I think at one point, I I criticised David Moyes because I said bringing in David Moyes to save a sinking ship is effectively just punching a few more holes in the hull and sinking it faster. Mm. But it's been the complete opposite, and I tip my hat to the man. He's, he's done very well. I wouldn't say it's been the complete opposite. I mean, you know, they've pulled a couple of good results, whereas everybody else down there, apart from Aston Villa, hasn't. You know, Bournemouth, Norwich, okay, Bournemouth beat Leicester, obviously, but you, you know, West Ham have, have managed to win where 
when at the when at the right time, when when they had to win, and you know I wouldn't necessarily say that you know it was the opposite of of what you said, but you know they've just they've put in a couple of big performances against uh, well bloody jokers like Chelsea. You know? 100%. <laughs> it, I would it's say not really like who wins more; it's more of who loses less, isn't it? At the yeah. yeah. Oh. No, I would say the fact that credit were due, Moyes he's done it like twice now. Give him a bottle of champagne, tell him right, thank you, out the door. <laughs> if need be we know he's there for next season to come back and you know third time is a charm hopefully but nah <laughs> I, you can you can really aspire to go anywhere with David Moyes no. was his I'm contract sorry. his contract was quite short term was it not yeah was, was his contract the only a season right yeah so he's not even got a contract so the chances are he's probably not going to be there it's no, probably going to get extended only to be sacked in December or something like that. Do you yeah. think? Do you really think they'll extend it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's quite crazy because Manuel Pellegrini is a fantastic manager. Just just kind of thinking back to the start of the season and the position that they were in under him. You know, like Last season there was a point where I thought West Ham were going to be top half quite yeah. easily in some of the signings. Mm. But then Moyes is coming. So I wonder, do you think any of the blame used to go on the players? Being yes. not motivated, yeah. not uh-huh. doing it under, you know, if they, how can they do it under Manuel Who, who's Moyes? To, no which, disrespect to Moyes, but... Which players are to blame, Jamie, then? Go on. Um, well, I mean, for now, I mean, for me, he's just he's just not done enough in goals, Agreed. in defence, you know, he's, he's just all over the pitch. He's not saved enough shots for me. He's not walked off the pitch quickly enough when he's been hooked at half-time and... Yeah, he's to blame, definitely. Yeah, one last point on West Ham. The, the signing of Suchik is definitely a good one. Oh, and awesome. the, the contract, that, yeah. That yeah. was Moyes signing. Yeah, I'll give him that. <laughs> there you go. Mo- Moyes signed Fellaini for United, Struan, and he turned out to be a decent player for you eventually. He's found his new Fellaini in Suchik. <laughs> yeah, but honestly. <laughs> Somebody who can just stick up front for the corners and free kicks. Honestly, I didn't expect Suchik to actually stay after that, by the way. But, you know, Freer does. If he looked at Moyes and went, I'll have a piece of that. But I don't there's no guarantee that Moyes is going to be there, obviously. Yeah, I know, but I just know for the fact he's got to stay there. I'll, nah, not for nah. me. I'll, I'll also make the point, I'm not sure anyone's taken a look at David Moyes and thought, I'll have a piece of that. that yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that's ever happened, Taylor. I'll just go by that. Uh, right, predictions for this one. Taylor's saying a, it could be a narrow win to Villa or it could be a back and forth 4-3, depending on what happens in the day, I suppose. Uh, Struan, how do you see this one going? I've gone for a 1-0 Aston Villa with a John McGinn strike. Wonder goal McGinn. out of nowhere. Oh, you'd like and then to I think, think so. I think they'll just hold out. I think it, they don't really, like the most recent results just seem to be, you know, one goal here, one goal there. So I yeah. think it'll be a, a tight win. But I think I think West Ham might just kind of not give up. But I think when they can see it, they'll just be like, oh, we'll maybe catch them on the counter-attack if mm-hmm. we feel like it. Other than that, we'll just we'll just play for Nals, you know, play the bad players. <laughs> 2-1 Villa for me. 2-1 Villa to you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, the only reason I've kind of given West Ham a goal is because I've still got Antonio in my team, so yes. I'm just hoping he can he can um, find the target again. I was drawn between 1-1, but to be honest with you, I've, I've kind of given two 1-1s now, so I feel I'd be taking the mick a wee bit if I went for another <laughs> one. So. Cap off the end, end of the season, end of the season though. I end mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not predicting 1-1s <laughs> next week, am I? 2-1 so. no, <laughs> Villa. 2-1 Villa. I think I might actually predict a 1-1. I think I'm going to go for a 1-1 for this because... I think I, I'm a mass might be wrong or I could have just read it wrong but I think a draw is enough for Villa um, uh, they, they're, they're level on points but Watford ahead on one goal difference so it, it kind of just depends on how Watford play against Arsenal Watford play Arsenal and, and Bournemouth of course I think are one point behind both of them mm-hmm. well, are they not three points but, or is it one yeah, point three points yeah they've got Everton coming up mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, no, I I think it's going to be one one. Um, I don't think West Ham will get a loss out of this one. I think a, a draw would like be a fair result because I think West Ham are just going to have. They, they, it's weird to think of West Ham having too much quality for for Villa considering the way their seasons have gone but I think that just is the case especially recently and while I think Villa will still do enough to hold out for the draw I don't really think they'll keep West Ham out the entire game which which would be a shame especially if they're leading from early and concede late so hopefully other results do go their way because I, w- I would like to see Villa stay up to be honest I, I, I would be nice to see them they're, they're, they're a huge club uh historically so they really should be in the Premier League um, with that I suppose that brings us to the end of the big three games that we're going to talk about we're going to move on to the three extra games we'll just get um, one statement from one of the one of the three boys for each game because all these games do have importance as well especially the first two we're going to come to uh, the first one Struan did just mention uh, Everton are taking on Bournemouth with Bournemouth really needing a bit more of a miracle uh, and really needing Villa and Watford to just bottle it completely to be able f- to let the Cherries stay up. But strewing with this one, is it is it time to go for Bournemouth? Is this a kind of stay in the top flight after five years? Is this it at the end? I, I think it might be time. I think it really could be time for Bournemouth to go down. Mm. I think they've they've had a nice run. They've overachieved massively, but I think now it's it's time up. I I just. I can't see how they're going to beat Everton. And it's, it's technically out of their hands as well because they could win, but then so might Aston Villa and Watford, in which yeah. case they're... That would probably be the most heartbreaking thing. I mean, I've just got that shot of Eddie Howe when their equaliser against Southampton in the last minute got ruled out. Just mm. Have you seen that one? And it's, it, it just it just closes his eyes and it's just like, you know, it's just accepting relegation at that point. It's, mm-hmm. it's a tough one. But I guess Everton are kind of in that position of they can't really do anything now in the league. Will they rest players... Never really know. They they've I, been inconsistent at the best times Everton since restart. So I mean, I've I've gone for a nil nil actually in this game. That's what my <laughs> might actually be a good shout. I don't, my thought is I think it'll just be a very just a game just playing midfield basically with the odd chance here or there. Aye, I mean, it's a bit of a nothing game when you think about it. Obviously, it's got massive importance for Bournemouth, but. When they're not really the ones deciding their fate, it's almost like Arsenal are if what if they beat Watford. So, who knows that that could, that could be a nothing game or it could mean everything. We just don't know at the time. Uh, speaking of Watford, they are taking on Arsenal and um, J- Jamie. Would you you you've been very vocal about Watford just to, to us personally in in the in the group chat recently. I think you were keen to write a takeaway just on your hatred for them at this point because yeah. of how much they've let you down yeah so, I hate them now with, with this game is this it is this them certain to drop down yeah Simple hopefully as. yeah hopefully 3-0 <laughs> <Hopefully. laughs> um, Arsenal um, Aubameyang is my key player I've kept him in my team um, look you know the, your biggest mistake there Jack was you said that this was going to be quick I could rant on for days now <laughs> um, about Watford and their board and the sacking of, well, not only Nigel Pearson, but all the managers have had well, this yeah. season, yeah. And, and Shakespeare, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it just doesn't sit with me, to be honest. You know, we spoke about West Ham and said, oh, do the, do the players have to take shoulder some of the blame? You know, I think there's a, a couple of rats inside that Watford dressing room, Ooh. personally. Um, we, you know, the Athletic published an article during the week there and said that some of the players knew before 
um, before Pearson himself did. Wow. And I think that shows that some of the players in that Watford dressing room have too much power. Yeah, probably, player power, would be, that's um, a massive problem would be uh, a fair a fair comment I think um look you've, you've probably I'm not going to point the finger or name names but probably the captain of the team um would be one of those you would think who would have communications with um with the board with the chairman um and was probably one of the players who knew about Pearson's sacking before him so I think the way that Watford have conducted this as well is is just really really amateurish and yeah. um not something that a, a Premier League Professional um, football club or you know Premier League club, whatever you want, yeah. whatever you want to call them, um, should really conduct themselves. So yeah, I'm, I'm really quite um, quite disappointed in uh, in Watford and when City stuck. Uh, what was the score? Four, four past no, them. Four no, um, yeah. I was uh, was pretty happy because I thought they deserved what they got. I would say so. I mean, I, I I really wasn't best pleased with the way that they went about their business, especially when Pearson had steadied them really. They, yeah, he no, got it doesn't them make to a much sense. Position to stay up, I but no, I think I think they just do deserve what comes to them at this point. Um, yeah, no, I can't see anything more than an Arsenal winning this one. They'll be keen to bounce back after their loss to Villa. Yeah, simple as playing for cup final places as well. You would think. Yeah. Because I was thinking like, oh, what sort of stuff have Arsenal got to play for? And then one of my mates was like, oh, well, they're sort of playing for. Playing for cup final places, so hopefully they um they go out and put on a put on a good show and stick a few past them. Aye, could be an entertaining game from an Arsenal point of view, so might need to keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Finally, with the rest of the kind of extra games we're going to talk about, uh, up on the other end of the table for Spurs because they're taking on Palace, and depending on the results, it could see them go from seventh into sixth and not have to worry about the outcome of the FA Cup final to decree whether they uh play in Europe next season. Um. Taylor, you've been speaking about Palace for a while. You've been writing about Palace for Energy, but you've just not been able to publish the article because you were writing positively about them. And ever since you conducted the interview with the chat from The Athletic, it's just gone to the pot. It's gone to pot, really, hasn't it? Yes, I don't think I can ever shop to Palace ground if anybody <laughs> finds out exactly what I've done. Because it's fun enough the very next game was Liverpool, which, let's be honest, I didn't really expect them to win that, but, you know... I thought that they put in, I thought they put in a decent account after didn't happen. So they probably they lost every game. Roy Hodgson is going against me. You're picking the same team week in week out, still getting the same results, losses. So yeah, um, I'm I'm a jinx. So I'll try to do my favour. I'm going to say that uh, Spurs will win three 0 Hopefully, you know, reverse psychology will happen. Mm-hmm. There we On go. The f- but that's, that's all I'm saying on that because I feel it anymore. It's probably going to be counteractive. Yeah. No, I, I, could, I definitely do see Spurs getting the win in this one, but at the same time with the Chelsea result that I predicted, they probably will just have to hope that Arsenal lose the FA Cup final so they can play in the European competition next season. Uh, with that, that brings us to the end of all the games we're going to talk about specifically this uh, time around. As always, you'll be able to find the prediction from us four and our other two co-hosts, Graham and Raf, on Twitter at Fantasy Ramble. Before we go, we are going to be talking about our Fantasy Team of the Week. This incorporates our players from games we've mentioned and games we haven't in Fantasy to be able to build you the best possible team for the game week. And your last transfers for this week, for this, for not, this not for this week, rather for this season. It's been, it's been a long-fought season and there's still a fight going on in our league because... Jamie is Jamie's been mounting a challenge and Struan's pulled away from me slightly. So third second is almost Struan's. 
unless Strun just has a horrendous week and I somehow bounce back. But I can see Jamie catching me. I think I'm going to drop into fourth, boys. You've you've got your bench, but have you not got your bench I've boost? D- I do have my bench boost, to be so, fair. Why did yeah, you I, that? I used I mine. <laughs> Struan used his, and I managed to use. I used mine. So uh, yeah. I think you've you've got a few more play. I don't know how strong your bench is, mind you. I've not looked at your team. Uh, there's starters. I'll say there's starters at least. I mean, I've right. got. I think what was my bench looking like? Just now? Dean Henderson, Bukayo uh, Saka's on there. I think Scott Dan was on there at one point. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I still need to make my transfer for this week, so it might change again. But we'll talk about the goalkeeper for this gate for this game week. Um, obviously, you're probably not going to change your goalkeeper as your last transfer, but if you are, recommend probably Ederson. City are yeah. playing Norwich, so he's mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick Pope as well. I don't see Brighton scoring past Burnley. That's who I've gone with. And depending so. on how Villa play, Pepe Reina might not be a bad shout. In all honesty. Mm. But yeah. t- we, Jamie's gone for Ederson, Struan and Taylor. Who who have we gone for? I've went for Pope, Nicky, Nicky Pope. There you go, some boy. Str- I've gone for Casper Schmeichel. I'm I'm going with my my two my two nil for Leicester. Wait so wait wait, 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 wait. You're generally the most pessimistic United fan I've ever met. Yeah, <laughs> I've had Schmeichel in for four weeks. This is the fourth game week I've had him in for. So it wasn't just for this week. Uh, the reason I got him in because I, I benched was because I took Dean Henderson out. I can't remember who Sheffield United were playing, but that was the first time I'd taken him out all season. Mm-hmm. And then I just I just went for Schmeichel because I thought you know it'd be good. And then saw Yunshu went and got a red card, and I thought, oh great, four one loss to Bournemouth. <laughs> so um, that served me right. I've also got McCarthy As on my McC- bench. Yes, and I've got uh-huh. Sheffield United, so I'm kind of swithering between the two of them. Who am I actually? Yeah, he's on start. my bench, but I, I've got Walker Peters on my defence. Sorry, I'll just move on to your defence we'll now. Move, I've got Walker Peters in the defence. We'll move on to the defence. We can talk about it at the same time. How, uh, how much is he? He was 4.3 or something, I think, if I remember rightly. He was pretty cheap. Okay, that, that's interesting. Uh, 4.4, sorry, 4.4. Ah, okay. So I've got Walker Peters, Kyle Walker still on my team. I'm not... I, I, to be honest with you, he's not been getting that much game time. So, like, mm-hmm. I think it wasn't... He came off after, like, 64 or something, say, against Watford. So he just got the, the, the clean sheet points mm-hmm. the week before. Um, I think he came off at half time or something, so I yeah, never got right, did you, right? that many points. And then he was—he never played against like the Southampton defeat and the game after that as well. So, um, but at the same time, you know, if he does play, then you know it should really be a guaranteed clean sheet. Mm-hmm. And as Pilaqueta is my third defender, I've That's also brave. got Doc. I've got—I know—I've got Doherty on the bench, and I'm very tempted to swap them. I've also got Baldock, but as I say, I think Southampton will beat Sheffield United, so I'm not really too keen to use Baldock. Mm-hmm. Um, but Triori or Doherty could possibly. Well, actually, I've already—I've only got three defenders, so it might need to be Doherty in for Aspilicueta. I don't know. I mean, I think I think again, as we said with the goalkeepers, any time you're picking a goalkeeper, it's right to pick the defenders as well if they're backing them to keep a clean sheet. Yeah. So I mean, um, City defenders and kind of the. Burnley defenders as well we'd probably recommend considering the likes of James Tarkovsky, mm. Ben Mee players like that um, Dirt cheap as well Yeah very cheap um, not really any more than 5.5 I think for any of them which is decent for defenders Pretty good goal mm-hmm. uh, Taylor what about yourself who, who would you back to kind of keep clean sheets or uh, get a uh, performance I brought in my I had two transfers because I didn't do the one last nice. week so I brought in my two transfers and defence one risky one solid my solid one is I brought in Tarwos, uh, Tarkovsky Nice. I can't even see it. You know who I mean. No, Tarkovsky is right. Yeah, yeah. Alright, I was like, of course. I brought him <laughs> in because I back Burnley to keep a clean sheet because anti football and everything, Brexit football. Uh, 
And my risky one yeah. is going with Pep Guardiola's, you know, fake, uh, rotation. Relate. Yeah, yeah, rotation. Zinchenko. Oh, Zinchenko. Yeah, he was really cheap. He hasn't been playing the last three weeks, but going because mm. it gives Norwich, I expect him to get the full ninety minutes. So I've backed him to basically play the full ninety minutes of this last week, and I have, I do have. Tierney. I was going to see his nickname. Yeah. I was going to see his nickname, but yeah, I was. I was, but I'm being swift because he, he's managed match performance and how well he's been playing. So I can't, I can't slag him yet. But you know, can't slag him yet. Kieran Tierney. <laughs> I back him to get a clean sheet against Watford. So Aye. definitely, I'd say that's two out of three. I, like I, I can see. I can see get a clean sheet. I like that. I like the inclusion of Tierney. That's always good. Struan, who have you gone for here? Uh, I've got Walker the same. I've gone for Dinya of Everton. I've had him in for a few weeks. He's probably going to get a clean sheet, I reckon, mm. and could have an assist. And my transfer was I brought Andrew Robertson in Ooh. against Newcastle because I think I think Liverpool probably win that. I'd imagine clean sheet, and I think he could have an assist. And I, I, I needed to make the transfer because you know I, I had the transfer left to this last week, and yeah. I, I couldn't choose anywhere in my midfield or up front to get rid of. Again, I was swithering between my strikers, who I'll get onto later on. But I, I decided I'd go for my defence, and, mm. and I brought in Andrew Robertson. We'll move up the pitch. We'll move up the pitch. Andy Robertson's a good shout. Uh, we'll start talking about midfielders. For me, it's hard, it's hard for midfielders because there's been that many. Personally, I don't want to start predicting Guardiola's moves because he's that he flip flops that much. I think mm. Kid, I think Kevin De Bruyne to start playing the whole ninety against Norwich. Personally, <coughs> which which is a bold claim, especially because it's Norwich, but he's won he's off the, the assist record, record. Yeah, and I think he will. He'll probably have gone into Guardiola and said, "Look, play me this whole game. It's Norwich. I can break this record." See, see if he gets an open goal, I think he's going to play it back to somebody in the hope that they get the tapping. I don't. Maybe. I don't. I don't know. I'd be happy either way because I think I'm. I am going to make him my captain out of sheer. Just, I don't know. Like cojones, I suppose, as Troy Deeney would say. Um, better not make him mine then. I could shout other than him the only other player that I can really think of that would probably produce something or at least get you starting points is Mason Mount because if there's one thing that's certain it's death taxes and Mason Mount starting for Chelsea under Frank Lampard (laughs) so I mean it's always going to happen Mount's going to play regardless of whether it's on the left wing in a 3-4-3 or in centre mid in a 4-3-3 it's going to he's going to find his way into the team which is good because I like the player but yeah He's, he's going to play regardless. Um, boys, what about yourselves? I'll come to Jamie again for this one because I think they'll probably want to go on a bit of Portuguese playmaker. Uh, KDB, um, Fernandes, Antonio and Saka as my mm. four midfielders. Triori's on the bench and I'm swithering whether I bring Triori in for Antonio. I don't know because, I mean, as I said earlier, I think Wolves have got a really good chance that Chelsea on the counter and I think if Wolves are going to score, it will be a kind of Traore, Pedens, Jimenez, front three combination yeah. type thing. So he'll probably get an assist, seeing as he can't score. Um, yeah. Antonio, you know, as I say, I'm a huge fan of him. He's done me really well since mm-hmm. I brought him in. But, you know, we, we don't really know what West Ham's going to turn up. Um, Saka, I think Arsenal, well, I'm hoping anyway, Arsenal give Watford a bit of a doing. And um, I think he could contribute an assist to one of the three goals that I've put them down to get. Yeah, absolutely. True, none yourself. of them are oh, my. Sorry. None of them are my captain. Sorry, none of them none are, of them are captain. captain. Uh, it's true. Uh, what about yourself? I've I've gone for part of the Mason Mount crew as well. I've got him in midfield. <laughs> I've also got Christian Pulisic because after after that game against Liverpool, he, there's no chance he sits on the bench. I've also got Bakayo Saka from Arsenal. Hopefully, they'll have a good game. And then I've got De Bruyne and Sterling, and I've I've captained Sterling again because I think again. he could just absolutely mm. run riot again. 
is really in good form recently, so that's my midfield five across the board. Not changed from last week, if I remember correctly. No, yeah, team. it's not the same, because I, I didn't want to get rid of any of them, as I was saying with my, my transfer, yeah. I thought I want to keep all five of them. Taylor, how about yourself? Uh, I've stuck with my Fernandes and De Bruyne, usually. I feel like they're definitely the guarantees one, guaranteed points one. I've brought, I've brought in Antonio, I brought him in la, uh, two weeks ago, and basically I've got Pulisic and Mane sitting there. It's between Pulisic and Manny, I don't know who to captain. I really, I'm, I'm really worried about Captain Manny just because Liverpool have already, you know, won it last game while they just filled a very weak team. Or can I just go with Pulisic and hope that Chelsea have enough to beat them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've also got, I'm also debating about whether I'm taking Antonio out and just putting Jimenez in. So I've got the three strikers. Mm-hmm. But that's a choice that I feel like I'll just make last minute. As with any good fantasy decision that's made last minute. Finally, attackers. I'm gonna only only one I'd give a suggestion to again it's Chelsea. Uh Giroud. Um if Chelsea are gonna score, I think it's gonna be a combination of Giroud and Pulisic in one way or another. Out of the ten games that Chelsea have played in lockdown, Giroud's scored in six of them. So he's been consistent since coming back, so I don't see any reason why Lampard would start Abraham over him in such a big game when Abraham has looked at points uninterested almost. It's been it's been weird to see a kind of downturn in Abraham's kind of uh, reaction to things and his kind of outlook in the game. So it's I, I would still back to do to get the nod, but I think Jimenez is also a good shot. I'd imagine Jamie's Jamie Taylor and Stuart would always all agree with me on that one, mm-hmm. as I'm sure at least two out of the three yeah. of them have them in their team. Um, yeah, so that, that's all I can really see on strikers. Uh, Jamie, what, what about yourself? Uh, I think I brought Ings. Ings was my transfer this week. I think looking at my team, I can't really remember. I think I brought Ings in for him. It is actually. Oh. Um, I think Ings, as I said earlier, I think Southampton will win to nil against Sheffield United, and I think Ings will try and have a go at um, getting the golden golden boot. I think he's what two behind or something. Something like that, yeah. Two, two behind Vardy. Two behind Vardy or one behind Vardy or something. So I think he'll notch. But uh, I've kept Greenwood in, um, purely out of hope. I suppose um, United do something, and my captain this week is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. It probably would have been KDB, but seeing as you've just said that you've <laughs> captained him, I don't really see the point in me captaining him. I need to kind of need to do something different, really, to try and catch you. Obviously, so um, a slightly bold pick, probably you could say, but I'm pretty sure the last time I captained him, he came up with a goal against Leicester. And um, against Norwich as well, he'd done all right when I was yeah. captain. So he's 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 got a good record as captain for me. So hopefully he can hopefully the same again continue. Yeah. Well, but Strewn, how about you for this one? Who's leading your line? Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's my usual suspects of uh, Jamie Vardy and Danny Abraham. I've not, I've 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 been reluctant to take Vardy out as we know every single week, just because I know the minute he does, he's probably going to score. Mm-hmm. He still hasn't. <laughs> but if you're going to do it, you need to do it now because that, we, you've got one more chance. I left him but then in. he'll score against United. So. <laughs> yep, it's it's such a, such a t- um, tricky situation with Vardy. Of course, as well, he's going for the golden boot. I'm probably the reason he's not more he's not further ahead in that. Because as soon as I put him in my team, he's just there you go, mate. Yeah, and then it's your fault. I've I've kept Tammy Abraham in just because just cause really as well. It's kind of a similar thing to Jamie Vardy. He came up with a goal against Liverpool, so you know he's, he's <laughs> the easiest that. goal that was scored on the night, realistically. Yep, but it's a goal, <laughs> it's a goal and I think against. He probably will come off the bench if he doesn't start against Wolves. He has in every game. He has in every yeah. game that he's um, not started. He's come off the bench at least. Hopefully, 
he'll have some kind of goal involvement. But I have also got Aaron Connolly on the bench from Brighton, who's playing away against Bor- uh, Burnley. Burnley, and I'm very tempted to put him in over Abraham. Really? Which is a really... Mm. It's just one of those like crazy suggestions, you know, for fans. I don't think it's that crazy, because well. we've all said that we don't think that Abraham's going to start, so... Yeah. Yeah, but it's just, it's just you know... Brighton. Yeah, but Brighton ain't going to score. So... Yeah. yeah it's like, crazy. you need to take a gamble. Starting points, though. I don't know. Start, starting I mean, points, and although ta- last time Tam Abraham played Wolves, he got he got himself a hat trick. So, so that yeah, was my thinking all along. If Chelsea, if Chelsea play that same game again, then there you go. There's Stuart extended his lead in second. Taylor didn't he score an own goal as well that game though? He did. He scored four. Yeah, he scored <laughs> half second and own goal. Involved in every sense. Just to wrap us up, Taylor, who who's leading your line, pal? I went with a good instinct after Cantonio put Jimenez in. Uh, I've got Ings and I've got the little Jim Greenwood in. Good. Mm-hmm. He'll def- definitely solid. I uh, realised I was 11 points behind Raf, so Ings is getting captained and Ings is winning this golden boot. Good shout. Because I'm catching Raf and as soon as that does, I, I'm. If I'm you sorry. make it off the bottom. I'm making it off. Like Josh isn't in this league, so technically I'm bottom. I'll, I'm, I'm pulling out of this. Like, Josh I'm hasn't changed his team since the first week, I'm convinced. I think he's, <laughs> he's still got like, Kante and stuff in like his midfield, and that's just yeah. a. Horrific pick in fantasy because he just doesn't do anything. Yeah, points. but honestly, it's actually gonna be it's actually gonna be better feeling probably win the Champions League if I actually catch Raf. Considering <laughs> how far behind I was, honestly, it's... it will be it'll all come down to the final day, and that wraps up the last. Uh, that, that wraps up our season, really, boys. That's uh, that's been, that's been a kind of whole season we've been broadcasting, a whole season we've been making episodes and we finally made it to the final game week so it's been it's been good fun uh, regardless of whether it's going to be on radio next year or not we've, we've yet to kind of see what the script is with being back in the studio uh, we'll still carry it on as a podcast if we can't get back into the studio and you'll still have our horrendous opinions and advice for ev- every game week so far uh, a big thank you to the three boys for joining me today a big thank you to all of you who have listened to this episode and throughout the season we'll be back probably once the season's kind of finished off and we've kind of been able to come up with some ideas for some new episodes, we'll be back then with a couple more uh, things to talk about before the new season begins. Probably a transfer window special at some point in the future when it eventually opens. So that'll be something to look forward to. But until then, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Fantasy Ramble. Thank you very much for tuning in and we will see you next time. <laughs>